0: I mean, there were some days where I mean, we had a point blank share with our audience. This is very difficult for us to be our typical entertaining show when it seems like our city's crumbling around us. Welcome to Brandwith On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio. We didn't know what COVID was going to become and, and how dangerous it was going to be for so many people. None of us really knew how long this was going to last. And you know, I mean, I think the early days of us being on the air probably, if we listened to it now, sounded kind of irresponsible.
1: Brandwith On Demand. Rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis: David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, media branding coach, Kipper McGee. As we discovered in our very first episode, boys and girls, there's a reason why BJ Shea has become one of the iconic morning hosts in the whole country. At KISW Seattle with partner Steve Miggs, They did the impossible. They replaced Howard Stern and increased the ratings. Since then, the stations enjoyed dominance at or near the top of the ratings, easily outperforming in its target demo book after book after book. We thought it'd be interesting to bring BJ back, along with partner Steve Miggs, to explore what's changed in the four years since their first episode and how their show has evolved since then, especially after the COVID-19 thing. Seattle was confronted with some incredible social unrest and ran with On Demand is proud to welcome back the champion for the common man, B.J. Shea,
2: and his partner,
3: Steve Miggs. Hey, guys. Hey, Hey, what's up, Dave Kipper? Good to be back.
2: We are glad to have you. I mean, four seasons now, we're hitting over 50,000 listeners, and B.J., it all started with you.
3: It did. Which I am very surprised. Usually things end with me. So I'm happy this was a uh, <laughs> happy reversal for you guys. <laughs>
2: well, and this time we've got co conspirator Miggs with us. Hi, Miggs. Hi, it's a pleasure to be a part of this. Uh, thanks so much. So I got to ask from the perspective of a performance artist or an ensemble doing mornings on a local radio station, what's changed and what's the same with BJ and Miggs?
3: Uh, well, I'll start it off. And then Steve, I know, has his his perspectives as well. But what I would say has changed. And I think it's interesting that when we first did this, it was just me. What's changed is the fact that Steve really, when we had him on the show, when he first came on, he was the fourth person on the show as far as hierarchy and whatever. Uh, and that was, it'll be about, it'll be 15 years ago, actually, we wow. we started this show mm-hmm. this year, which is pretty wild. And it was very evident that Steve was just a great talent and he just kept moving up and moving up and just making the show better and four years ago we were in really really good shape but as it always seems to happen Steve just continually surprises and says I, I think we can make this show better and four years later the show knows its voice and Steve is a equal host on that show I've never had that before in my career where I really did work with somebody who was an equal host uh, in a successful situation like this. Either I was the host or I was the sidekick. It wasn't a team thing. Mm -hmm. And it truly is that today, guys. That is the biggest change I know, that this show equally is BJ, as equally is his Migs and vice versa, Mm -hmm. which I really, really like because Steve has surely busted his butt and deserves all of it.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. Uh For me, when I first started, it was just, you know, I knew what my role was. And I just wanted to do it as great as I could to complement the show. And as time went on, I also saw whenever there was opportunities to jump at them and just be as good as I can be. And and fortunately, working with BJ, he's a great mentor. He's a great co-host now. I mean, but as far as just learning from him each time, I I just love that he is uh, such a fan of improv as I am. So the nice thing with our show, even since day one, I remember him saying, just had that confidence to, to deliver on the air. And, you know, if it's nothing, if it's not great, if it's not working, I'm good enough at improv to know that I can make it better. And, and he truly is. And I've learned so much with that. And I, now I feel like we apply that with our entire show where everybody feels comfortable to speak on the microphone without like fear of judgment or us shutting them down. They know that if things aren't working well, BJ and I will find a way to make it better. And that's, I owe that to, to BJ. It's just, I, I love being a part of a creative improv-based show like we have.
1: Well, in the past year or so, boy, we've all been through quite a lot. Well, especially you guys here in Seattle. Let's start off with the COVID situation. How did you handle it logistically, and how did you treat it with your listeners?
3: Well, I'm going to let Steve field that one, because when it comes to what we do on the show, Steve is truly the orchestrator. I mean, he, he was the producer when we brought him in, and we let him have those reins. And now everybody takes their direction from Steve, including me. And so, Steve, how did we handle that and why did we handle it the way we did?
0: I think we went into it. I mean, well, at first, I think we were kind of learning as we went along because none of us really knew how long this was going to last. And, you know, I mean, I think the early days of us being on the air probably, if we listen to it now, sounded kind of irresponsible because we didn't know what COVID was going to become and and how dangerous it was going to be for so many people and maybe had a little bit more of a lighthearted approach at first. But in general, our show has always had the attitude of we are a place for people to come to to be entertained. We're not a news talk show. So we don't try and become a news talk show and all of a sudden something like that occurs. We will address it. We'll talk about it. But at the end of the day, our listeners are coming to us to be entertained, to in a way escape from some stuff. It doesn't mean that we're going to be ignorant to it. But mm. we've noticed a lot of our listeners when we kind of really stayed strong with that and stayed consistent with that, One of the things we'd hear very often, whether it be social media, text messages, whatever it may be, is like, hey, we appreciate that you guys give us something to get our mind off of things. We're aware of what's going on in the world, but it's nice to just have a couple people on the air still trying to find ways to make us smile.
2: Yeah. So then comes along May and things got even uglier on the social front. So now, how did you deal with that? I mean, the social unrest, the George Floyd thing and all of that, because you guys got hit as bad as anybody.
0: Yeah. We handled it very carefully. I think there was a lot of empathy discussed on the air. I mean, there were some days where I mean, we had a point blank share with our audience. This is very difficult for us to be our typical entertaining show when it seems like our city's crumbling around us. And our audience was appreciative of that. They, I think we're feeling the same way. Yeah, yeah
3: you know, Kipper, we, uh, we really follow a performance sort of paradigm when we do this show. I mean, it, it is all about what performance is about. And in all the great works of art that have been done in movies and television and Broadway, the great ones never hit you over the head with politics or any philosophy. They let it play out subtly. And so that if people don't even wanna know about that, then they'll never know about that. But Steve and myself, and we, we will insert things, we will say things that won't necessarily be about what's going on today, but if we can somehow take another story and maybe slip some sort of wisdom in and knowledge in and whatever our position might be on something, uh, we'll do it that way because that's how I've always been inspired, uh, especially by Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry said, mm-hmm. my politics will never be discussed mm-hmm. uh, out loud. Just watch my show and you'll see what my politics are. And it usually involved aliens rather than any particular earthlings. But I love that because that way you can really You can learn without being challenged. It's really tough if you're one of the people that might be on side A or side B to try to see the other side. But in art, you can see it with a whole different things put out to you. And we we try to do that on our show. And so that's how we handle every sensitive subject is we do it artistically without being in your face like some, you know, some talk shows might.
2: Although uh, many people who are dealing with it may view the other side as aliens anyway.
3: Or even worse. I mean, it's pretty bad how people have just dehumanized the other side. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, Brene Brown has been brilliant in the books that she's written saying how dehumanization and dehumanizing language is just not cool and not good for humanity. Nobody deserves to be treated that way, no matter what their opinion is. And that's something that we really embrace on our show. We have people from both sides. Half our audience is conservative. The other half our audience is liberal. And it Mm -hmm. really is that way for us. Yeah. So it's important for us to treat everybody with respect and not take sides. It's not an easy line to draw uh, or to, or to dance on, but. In the end, I think it's good for humanity, but it's also good for our ratings if we don't piss off half the audience. Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah. yep. and Steve's daughter, apparently, she's got big opinions about this. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Well, just remember, oh, today's one-year-old is tomorrow's six-plus listener.
3: That, that's very true. BJ, <laughs>
1: you've shared a lot about your life on the radio, some hilarious, some tragic, but all of it based in reality. I mean, really authentic stuff. I assembled a great ensemble cast, including... Uh, Megs, and you also mentioned that you made a mistake by hiring your daughter once. I mean, Sarah and learned things about her on air that really no father should ever know, really. So how does that ensemble work? And any suggestions to people that are trying to put a real ensemble show together?
3: Well, that's a great question because we don't have casting directors in this business. And I think that's a sad thing because not every program director and surely not a lot of general managers have the ability to put a show together. And I am fortunate that I had great conversations with Steve. And like Steve said, we really like doing this kind of radio. And then pretty much it's on us to make sure that we find people that can and are at least you know willing to do this kind of radio. And Steve, you can comment on this yourself because we've had people we basically said, you know what, we're going to have to let them go. They just don't fit what we're trying to do. Not that they're bad people, not that they're not good talent. They just weren't really part of our culture. And that's a huge part of it. Wouldn't you say, Steve? Absolutely. I think we really do pride ourselves on being a, a team of individuals that trust
0: each other, that are unique and different, but are still looking out for the same common goal. But we've had some people in the past that either would try and shut everything down that we're talking about, or just weren't willing to just even take part in whatever we're doing. I think the most important part is that improv mentality for our show. And I mean, to the point where we've even brought in improv instructors just to help kind of when we did have certain people that we felt weren't really following along, just to see if we could help trigger that. And when you get to a point where it's like, okay, this isn't working. They're not on the same page as the rest of us. They don't have the same, have the same opinions. They just have that, that same improv mentality. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, we have to look towards someone else. In fact, if you have a different opinion, that's great. It's just that ability to play off of each other and still make it comedic and still have fun throughout the process of whatever conversation we're having.
1: So it really is a chemistry thing, right?
3: Yeah, it is, Dave. I've had some great conversations with Woody who does a terrific show in LA and in a lot of other parts of the country and what he does and how he bees and what he puts to, you know, puts into putting his show together is completely different than what we do mm-hmm. and he knows what he wants and we know what we want and I think that's important for anybody who wants to put together a show. Really knowing yourself, knowing your strengths. Uh, finding Steve was the best thing that ever happened to me because then I could really lean back on what I always wanted to do. I never really wanted to leave I never really wanted to have to organize anything. I'm much better at just performing. And Steve really, when he came aboard, was just, just a natural leader, a natural organizer. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I, I'm actually going to be able to lean into my strengths and be much more of a nurturer, much more of a mentor. When I had to lead and had to organize and had to be involved in day to day, I was a miserable human being. And it really reflected, you know, I would start at the top. So my culture, the people that worked with us, they ended up being miserable. And many times in my career, it was not good because of how I was, because I didn't know my own strengths and my own weaknesses, and I didn't build a, a good team around those. So that's the first thing is knowing myself, knowing yourself, and then building from there and getting people that can do what you can't do and making sure that you're happy with what you're doing, because that's the tale of my career. I've never had a lot of success early in my career. I mean, I, I did Okay but now things are as good as they are because I have the right people working with me. And then I let them do what they want. Like, you know, I told Steve years ago and I remember he was very much surprised, like, really, you're going to, turn the power over to me? Are you sure? And I mean, you know, because who would think that any host would Mm -hmm. say, you're in charge, and I'm going to listen to you. (laughs) Uh, But I really knew that Steve was the better person to let steer the ship. I I just knew we would go to better places if I said, Steve, you're in charge, which means you tell me no, and I have to accept no as an answer. And it's it's been fabulous ever since that decision was made.
2: Now it looks like we're turning a corner, at least on the COVID front, So how do you guys see the show now evolving as things start to reopen? Does the BJ and MIG show have like a post-pandemic philosophy? And if so, what are you thinking?
3: That's a great question, Steve. Where are we going? What are we doing?
0: You know, your guess is as good as mine. I think about, we haven't really thought about, uh, I mean, we've talked about like what kind of events we'd like to do when that time comes. But even with those, I feel like we're still we still got some time to even worry about that because I think as a station, we want to make sure that we're putting on events that we can have 100% or it's close to 100% capacity for those kind of things. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. I mean, there's so many events that we've just put on the back burner yeah. while COVID's going on. There, there hasn't even been any discussion about them. I think we're getting to that point where hopefully we can start talking about, Though you know, there's fear of some counties in our town being pushed back to phase two again when they're in phase three right now. So I think everybody's still kind of just... Waiting around for that light at the end of the tunnel to get a little bit bigger before we even start talking about what the plan is Mm post-pandemic.
2: Yep. One day, one variant at a time, I guess. Our
1: thanks to BJ Shea and Steve Miggs from KISW Seattle. Somebody you'd love to hear from, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Just email us,
2: show at brandwithondemand.com. So, if you're finding info like this helping your career grow, you might want to be at Morning Show Boot Camp. This year, it's back in Chicago at the Swiss Hotel, August 12th and 13th. BJ and Miggs are mainstays. In fact, BJ won the Kid Craddock Award last year. And this time, you can meet other brands with guests like Fred Jacobs, Dee Dee McGuire, Mike McVeigh, Rula Christie, Daniel Ann Standing, Michelle McCormick, Dana Cortez, Anyone who's anyone in personality radio is going to be there. For the full agenda or to register, just click over to MorningShowBootCamp.com. Student and tweener rates start at just 99 bucks. That's MorningShowBootCamp.com. Hope to see you there. Coming up, BJ and Steve share some
1: things they know now they really wish they'd known way back in
2: 2019. Hi, I'm Jeff McCarthy, Vice President of Programming for Duke Wright's Midwest Communications.
0: I'm Tony Larino from Throwback Nation Radio. Hi,
2: this is Dave Tyler from Music Master
3: with even more raving fans.
0: Hey, I'm Bailey, Program Director for KOSP and Midwest Family Broadcasting in Springfield, Missouri.
3: Hi, my name is Jonathan Schaefer. I'm the Program Director at
0: The
2: Legend, 650 AM WSM. Ready to join these raving fans?
0: I'm so thankful for Music Master and the team for helping us grow our station into what it is today.
2: Never stop learning. Music- Music Master's educational webinars have helped us to become excellent music schedulers. Visit musicmaster.com today. I cannot
0: thank the Music Master team enough. The
1: stuff we know now, we wish we'd known then.
2: Brand with On Demand.
1: We are with the stars of the Northwest, BJ Shea and Steve Miggs of KISW Seattle. Guys, everybody's been through a lot in the past year. After having experienced the pandemic, the unrest there in Seattle, even the continued evolution of the industry. What's one thing that each of you know now, Steve and BJ, that you really wish you knew back in 2019?
3: Steve, do you have anything? Because you know me, I can start talking if you need a little time. <laughs> uh, yeah. The first thing that just pops into my head
0: is just, we talked about it earlier, and just in general, take the textures and the social media with a grain of salt. Some people come at us with a lot of anger and a lot of vitriol. And I think there's times where at first, I, and this goes from past 2019 to, you know, this is going on forever. But I, I think at times I would just knee jerk reaction like this person's just an awful human being when it's like, for all we know, they're just having a tough time handling what's going on mm-hmm. and to look past the anger and the tone of their message and just understand that they're just at that moment or however long, they're in a moment of just upset, sadness, anger. And in general just look past some of the the tone and just understand that they're they're probably good people they're just having a rough go right now.
3: Yeah, uh th- those are great words Steve because that echoes what's really happening is the The idea to be able to understand that people are just on, uh, they're just on a super edge right now. And and because of social media, because of the idea that you can actually just express your opinion before you've actually had time to let it ruminate, like it normally goes with human beings, uh, there's a lot of anger and a lot of bad things being said out there from people who nowhere near are as bad as their words make them look. And that's the trouble, is people are looking a lot worse than they really are, which makes humanity look worse than it really is that takes hope away from people what i wish i knew was how well prepared i'd be for something like this i've always been in a state of pandemic in my head and eventually (laughs) had to be i really was yeah you know i I had to go to therapy to realize that I was a catastrophizer and 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 suffered from PTSD from, from just stuff in general in my life. But I was making a lot of bad situations that didn't exist. I was fighting a lot of windmills. So 15 years previous to the pandemic, I went and got mental health help and was given a toolbox of things that I could pull out anytime I thought I was on edge or I was in a panicky situation. And then here comes the pandemic. And whether it's real or not real, these tools I have work. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know then how at ease I would be during all this, that actually I would be able to coast through a lot of the stress and mental health challenges that a lot of people were experiencing for the first time. And guys, I look at people in the eyes and have so much empathy because it's like, brother, I have been there. I have Mm -hmm. been where you are, where you think your life is about to be ruined. And I mean, it is life or death. It really, really is Mm -hmm. when I was experiencing that. It was not real. That was the problem is mm-hmm. that I was delusional and thought that everything was life or death and they're like, no, BJ, you just spilled a glass of water. You'll be fine. But now it really is life or death for so many people. And I have tools to be able to navigate that. And I have a lot of love and empathy for folks that are dealing with it. I didn't know I'd have this a year later. And I wish I did know because it, that would have been cool to know that I, it would have given me more confidence going into it all.
2: Yeah. Beyond yeah, show prep. I mean, it's a real example of you having life prep. Yeah. You guys
1: you changed it all in the last year. Ooh. Uh,
3: well, Steve, you was, I mean, come on. I mean, you got that little one running around. Yeah,
1: That well, changes yeah. everything right there.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. outlook on everything. Sweating the small stuff really. If it doesn't involve my daughter, I'm not really getting too worked up about things or too worried about things. If, a listener has a certain opinion about me. I really, I maybe used to care way more. That's where my big change has come is being now a dad. My my lens is a lot different. But as far as just like the world changing around me, I feel like I'm the same person in that sense. Uh, I, yeah, I think it all just boils down
3: to just being a dad. I just feel like I'm a better person because of that.
1: It'll, it'll be a better show too Steve you watch
3: yeah you know and having my kids on the show has been fantastic too because mm-hmm. they get it they really really get it and they really are thriving in a creative artistic environment my wife and I both knew that as these kids were growing up they weren't going to be nine to fivers. we we hoped we could help them fit into the world because I was adopted so my parents didn't quite get the artistic bend my dad was a laborer and a hard worker and he, so he didn't he just didn't understand the artistic mind and my mom passed away at an early age so so I was alone in trying to figure out my place in the work world, and my daughter's a fantastic performer because she just makes up so much stuff and you believe it's real. She'll tell a story, and it will be the most shocking, outrageous story. And afterwards, I'll be like, you know, I didn't know that was going mm-hmm. on when you were a teenager. And she says, "Ah, oh, Dad, actually, that was my friend." But you know what? You never never let the facts get in the way of a good story. I smile and go, "Well, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, I've changed in the fact that I've accepted." that I have a wonderful group of people around me in almost every aspect of my life. I've really open my eyes to see that I'm really blessed. And I have an amazing company that I work for who's just taken a step and they changed their brand and all of the work that David Field and all the people under him have done to just transform into Odyssey. And because our business, I felt, was never getting the proper attention we should get for what a great value we are and what great talent we are. And I think this was such a great step in the right direction to say, look, we are going to show the world why what we as a company does is an amazing value for anybody who wants to be involved with it and this new odyssey rebrand i think is the way to go about it and it's just fantastic so to have this and be part of this and have a great crew around me to have a guy like steve who's just so tremendously talented and has made my life so much easier and everybody on the show and i'm really blessed and i'm very grateful for it and that's not something i used to do and it's really a great change in a way COVID's allowed me to really sort of pause and appreciate that because life slowed down. That's the one gift of this whole thing. And I know it's been really challenging for a lot of people, so I don't want to trivialize that. But I looked for something positive, and that's the positive that's come out of this, that allowed me to see this change in my life.
1: Our thanks to the very talented BJ Shea and Steve Miggs from KISW Seattle. For more on BJ and Migs and complete bios, links to videos
2: and their podcasts, just scroll down on your phone for the show notes. We want to thank our exec producer, Cindy Huber, as always, and coming up next. This is Rob Barnett, longtime media schmo and first time author of Next Job, Best Job with 11 strategies to get hired now. If you didn't know that life is too short, Let's get you the job
3: that you're supposed to be doing.
1: That's a wrap, Kipper. We can all learn something from the state lottery. Really, it's all about Powerball, or is it? We'll discuss it in one-minute Martinizing. Find it in the show notes at brandwithondemand.com. I'm Dave Martin.
2: And I'm Kipper McGee. May all your brandwith and lottery winnings be wide.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.